This is a portal connecting our reality with alternate space-time continua. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a 45-year-old space nerd. Your things look hot. There is a space age quality to them. They're all we can afford. We think right here is the way to go. You know, free. Welcome to the Galactic Coast Power Hour with John Innes and Mighty Mike Taylor, the Galactic Guys. Each and every one of us is a crew member here on Spaceship Earth. On Final Draft Radio. You are listening to the Galactic Coast Power Hour, and I'm here with my brother and brew, Muddy Mike Taylor. We are excited and honored to have tonight's guest here in studio. His titles have include aerospace engineer, aquanaut, author, and the pride of Ashland, Nebraska. I never pass up a chance on some alliteration. <laughs> he has uh, gone by call signs such as Slice and Huskbow, but we will refer to him as Mr. Clayton Anderson. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. So pumped to have you. Uh, I know you're a very busy fellow in, in the middle of a book tour right now as you have a new book that just recently came out. Yep. Uh, it's called A is for Astronaut, Blasting Through the Alphabet. It's my first children's book. The illustrator, Scott Brundage, he's absolutely out of this world. And uh, you can get it anywhere. It's doing really well, and we're very excited. We hope that it will do very big things. No, it is doing very well. Uh, I took my four-year-old son to a book signing you had over at Barnes & Noble, <laughs> and, and they had already sold out by the time I got there. You snooze, you lose. Right. <laughs> and, and it truly is a beautiful book. I mean, the, the combination of the illustrations and, and the, uh, the the writing, it's, you know, and uh, I was telling uh, Mr. Anderson uh, before we started that, uh, you know, my four-year-old loves the illustrations, my eight-year-old loves reading it. But, I mean, even I, I've got a lot out of it, and I'm a, you know, I'm a 45-year-old space nerd. <laughs> so, I mean, it truly is a, the perfect book for the whole family, and uh you know, it's really just a great book for the for the for, for the kids, especially. I mean, like I said, my son just loves it, and you actually uh, put a really nice uh, inscription in there. Andy, turn pages into dreams. Well, thank you. I appreciate those kind words, and I'm really glad that your kids love it. So, yeah. and you do too. So that's all good. So uh, it's been roughly it's been roughly three years since your original book, the uh, the ordinary spaceman, came out. So, uh, what was the thought process in doing the second book and making a kids book? Uh, it's it's an interesting story. I was in Omaha, Nebraska at a Barnes & Noble doing a book signing for The Ordinary Spaceman three years ago. And the lady in the bookstore that managed it, she kept dragging me over to the children's section. She kept saying, you need to write a children's book. You need to write a children's book. She introduced me to an Omaha guy who was an author and an illustrator. He'd written, Mr. Simpson's Sheep Won't Go to Sleep. And so he was talking to me about children's book, and she kept saying, uh, you need to write A is for astronaut. Well, that made no sense to me. I had no idea what she was talking about. And then uh, she kept pointing to a section where the publisher listing was Sleeping Bear Press. And she said, you need to write A is for astronaut. They don't have it. Well, long story short, I went back and eventually Googled Sleeping Bear Press, and I learned that they have a a set series of alphabet books, you know, C is for Cornhusker, B is for Buckeye, uh, W is for Welcome, I is for Invention. Mm -hmm. And so then I finally understood what she meant. You need to write A is for Astronaut. They don't have that book. And they don't, but they do now. So um, that's how I got started. I had no help except the Sleeping Bear Press website and then this lady's encouragement. And then now the book is the result. So I'm surprised you're a uh, first... First example was corn <laughs> Surprise, not surprise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, 
Was there, you know, the, uh, I mean, like I said, the, the text and the stories and the, the whole, you know, there's a different story for every letter of the alphabet, which is really neat, you know, and, but then the illustrations, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, as somebody that self-published a couple books, I'm curious, did, was there a lot of uh, collaboration with the illustrator or, or how did, you know, I mean, was there, I mean, how did that process work? Well, it turns out I learned from the CEO of Sleeping Bear Press that, uh, you know, my a manuscript was unsolicited. So it was on a stack four feet high, he said, that was reviewed by, eventually reviewed by a bunch of adults uh, with adult beverages. And so apparently my book jumped to the top when they saw it and they really liked it. So it took about nine months to get them to agree to publish A is for Astronauts. So then when I got that email, I wrote a response. And I said, I'm very excited. Thank you so much for taking a chance on me. If you need any input on illustrators, let me know. Well, I knew nothing about illustrators, but I figured I'd offer, right? <laughs> and so I get another email back a couple of weeks later that says, your illustrator is Scott Brundage. Oh, okay. Well, who's he? So I Googled him, and he's a big Washington Post uh, or political cartoonist, and he does illustrations for uh, young adult books. He's very talented, but I just didn't know how he'd how it would go with the children's book, right? And so as we waited, he was corresponding with me on email and he was having issues with, he had some health problems in his family and he was behind on a couple of projects, but he said he would get to it as quickly as possible because he was really excited. So eventually we get a set of illustrations, the drafts. And my wife and I opened up the file and we looked at them and we about fainted because they were fantastic. And they were just drafts. I mean, they were good enough to me to be in the book. They, they do carry emotion. Oh, yeah. He's, he's amazing. And, Very and, deep. You know, with respect to collaboration between he and I, uh, we sent a couple emails. He, he drew every illustration based on what I wrote in the book. So he, he didn't need any help, except when we got to the end, and if you look at the cover and the little guy in his orange pumpkin suit, it's pretty authentic because I actually went and got photographs from some of my colleagues back at NASA of the actual suit so he could draw a better helmet and a better ACES or crew entry suit. So that's about the limit of our collaboration. You know, he'd ask me a couple questions. Well, what about this? There's a J is for jettison when I'm on the end of the robotic Canadian arm and I'm throwing away. What I threw away was a really a satellite, right? But in the cartoon or in the illustration, he made it a bag of trash. Because for little kids, that makes way more sense. So, uh, you know, so we had a blast. I haven't met him yet. I'm going to meet him at the end of May in New York City. Oh, cool. We're going to do a book signing together, and so I'm very excited about oh, that. Oh, neat. awesome! And yeah. I'm ginning up a gift for him that that I think he'll he'll like. Very nice. So, uh, did you learn anything from the first book that you kind of <laughs> utilized, you know, in the second book, whether it be you know the the production or even the marketing? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure you're constantly learning, but. Uh, is there some aspects? I mean, obviously, it's a totally different type of book. One's also, you know, obviously a, an astronaut autobiography. One's a, a more towards a kid's book, very Ill, heavily illustrated, kind of a coffee table book. But uh, was there some aspects that helped you from the first book to, to the second book? Well, contractually, I, you know, that was a little easier. From the first book, I had no idea. I'd never written a book. And when I finally got somebody that agreed to publish me, you know, doing the contract stuff was kind of new but that helped me with the second contract and i had some other people I actually had a management team that i didn't have when i wrote the first book so they helped as well 
I reached out to a legal friend of mine to help review the contract. So that kind of technical stuff uh, was better. Uh, the publisher that I have for the children's book was totally different, obviously, than the first book because the context of the two books are so different. Uh, with regard to the writing part, I think the only thing I really learned from the first book to the children's book is, you know, to how I construct sentences and things like that. Um, I actually wrote the poetry in the set in the children's book in a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, just, I mean, it just, once I figured out what each letter, what the word would be for each letter, man, the, the poems just rolled out. Just clicked out. And uh, then it was time to write the sidebar technical, the kind of the educational part and that was easy too for the most part it took, just took a little while because i wanted to make sure that i was verifying what i was writing so that i had you know everybody's name spelled right and that i didn't make a technical error because i don't want a kid reading a book to be educated on space stuff and then to teach him something that's incorrect so that took a little bit longer well writing things isn't unfamiliar to you you're a musician right you write right. music uh -huh. you write poetry i would assume i mean i'm a i'm a fellow musician so <laughs> poetry and words and music just go hand in hand so once you got a groove you just yeah it seems i agree with that and, almost uh, like a song with the prose right. and, the, and the beat and the timber and that was what the people at sleeping bear press were so impressed with i guess that when they took my manuscript off the pile and started looking at it it required they they said the ceo said it required the least amount of editing of any manuscript they've ever received which is kind of high that's praise. pretty cool that's yeah awesome. I, I mean like i don't know how i did it but you know nevada bar in my first book she's a big new york times best-selling um, murder mystery writer and she's a friend of mine and she coached me in the first book and she would read my chapters and she you know i got about a halfway through and it really stunk and i quit reading it because i didn't want to read about that i want to read about this it's tough and, doing your own stuff or oh, yeah. editing your own stuff it's don't not... make your sentences so long yeah. quit using so many adjectives don't be the <laughs> villain be the hero you know she gave me really good advice but she forced me to think about what I was re writing, you know, and she was a huge uh, asset for that first book. So um, it turned out, I think they both turned out really well, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Excellent. Now, one last question about A's for an astronaut. Um, you know, is, is there a letter, you know, that, that you have, is there a favorite poem, <laughs> or is there one that you like more than others? Uh, well, there's most proud of, I guess. There's a couple, but A is for astronaut, the bravest of souls. They fly into space and assume many roles. They pilot, they spacewalk, and they even cut hair. When they look at our Earth, that will cause them to stare. So that's that's, awesome. that's probably <laughs> that's my favorite cool. one. And then I, oxygen's cool because it, it, the picture with oxygen is an astronaut in space and in a spacewalking suit and then there's a scuba dive an astronaut under the ocean because they both need oxygen and o is for oxygen right and since i lived in both places uh as a part of the nemo crew with nasa and then right. living in space Out in Florida. um i actually have that original drawing from scott brundage the illustrator uh hanging in our home now because that's kind of a special one oh that's to me. pretty cool yeah awesome man you know talking about the ordinary spaceman which uh you know, I'm really enjoying. I'll, I'll admit I'm, I'm probably about two-thirds of the way through. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I think you've mentioned in some other interviews that there's that you, you realize when you wrote this there's a lot of other astronaut autobiographies out there. Mm -hmm. 
but just seems like a combination of, of your story, uh, you know, I mean, which, you know, includes 14 rejections of trying to become an astronaut. Over Everybody 15, brings that up. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, so, so you know, that, the, uh, the lessons from the book, Never Give Up. Um, but also what really separates yours is just I, I really, you know, because I've actually read a few other astronaut autobiographies, you know, because I am, like I said, a 45-year-old space nerd. Um, <laughs> But is that I really feel like uh, I'm really impressed with the storytelling. I mean, you really feel like you're there, you know, uh, whether it be your first uh, Zoom and Boom ride out of Ellington over the Gulf, the Gulf <laughs> of Mexico, um, or, you know, your experience at the Star Space Facility outside of Moscow getting measured in places <laughs> you didn't know, uh, yeah. you didn't know, uh, you know, you had uh, and, uh, you know, and hoping those, you know, by an attractive Russian lady and hoping those measurements didn't change during mid-measure, yeah. you know, and then even, uh, you know, in things that are a little bit more emotional, like as a, as a you know, an astronaut uh, family uh, escort during the uh, the last mm-hmm. flight of the, uh, the Columbia actually being, you know, on the uh, landing strip waiting for the, the Columbia to come and, and uh, you know, having to, to take the family away to a conference room and, you know, kind of go from there. I mean, you really, by reading this book, you really are, you know, feel like you're with you. Very, you know, obviously it's some funny and some very emotional. I mean, I'll, I'll acknowledge, I, you know, there's, there's some crying going oh, on. Yeah. When, I mean, but, uh, you know, so I really think over the long haul of time, this is going to really stand out as, as an astronaut autobiography. And, uh, you know, so I just want to state that for the record and it's been stated. But, <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, the interesting part about that, um, book is it covers the 15 years of my astronaut career essentially you know i don't i talked for one chapter about my childhood and i talked for a one other chapter about my first 15 years at nasa as an engineer but the the idea for that book has always been to entertain first to educate a little bit and to inspire you know i don't i didn't write that book to to give a lesson, right? A lot of people said, well, you have to tell a lesson. You have to teach people something. Well, no, I don't. That's that's what I got from A was the inspiration. I mean, right. that's that's what made me think that the, the, the moon landing did something to you because right. you can totally see that you're trying to inspire children. And when you said that, you know, it was the... The oh, lady right. at the book signing who had drugged you into the <laughs> drugged you, <laughs> roofies, had dragged you into the the children's section. But I always had the sense that you were trying to inspire kids the way that you were inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, growing up in Nebraska, kind of isolated, just a few miles from Memphis, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Memphis Lake, you bet. The fishing hole. You know, and you know, I, I admire the story because you are so ordinary in your thing but you're extraordinary in everything you've done and including inspirations but i get the feeling that the reason it took you so long is because you were mr fix it you fixed you fixed everything you were (laughs) you were running around and taking care of things on missions and they wanted you on the ground (laughs) right i mean that's that's the feeling i get just from looking at your accolades well i don't know yeah i don't know about all that but uh you know, for me, with the ground control team, it was a love-hate relationship, I think. But most, most of them hated me. <laughs> probably because you were solving their problems before they well, and before was, they had problems. And I was pushing them to, yeah, yeah, to think, yeah. think differently. And I think the lesson I learned, and I learned it, you know, I knew kind of going in that, that I was a, uh, a vocal person. And I told him, we actually had a meeting, me and the entire control center team, as many of them as I could get in the room, with the lead flight director. And I told him, I said, look, when I get into space, don't listen to what I say 
and take it personally. Listen to what I say and and hear the words. Don't don't look at me as yapping at you and look at me as trying to fix something or change, that's, you know. The, the and, ego, that's zero in the ego is what well, that is. And, and, they, and not, there's no time for niceties in some situations, and I agree with that. And that's You'd think not, but uh, I think most of them still took it personally, right? They felt like I was get, doing something to affront their character. And I was only trying to make it better for the guys and gals that were coming behind me. Absolutely. And so, you know, it, it, there was some rough sailing when I was in orbit. <laughs> So, you know, you wrote in the book that, you know, as Mike already alluded to, that at age nine, it was the, uh, the Apollo 8, you know, the witnessing history uh, that first planted the, uh, the space-faring seed in your soul. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of the space enthusiasts, uh, we, we have, you know, we, we talk about what was the most, uh, you know, the ballsiest uh, launch in the history of, of, of space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always go back and forth between Apollo 8 and STS-1. You know, that was obviously the first test flight, although it was a manned test flight. Uh, but I've never had the opportunity to ask, ask an astronaut what <laughs> they think was the uh, the most ballsiest uh, space launch of all time. first one I was on was right, pretty, pretty ballsy. <laughs> I, I'd, have like that, I'd have felt like that might be the answer. The second one would be the, the second, second one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right, the, taking and yours, then the third one would be the... Take, yeah. taking, taking yours out of the mix. Uh, okay. You, you have a... Uh, you know, uh, I mean, obviously it's a tough question. How, I mean, how, how was it on the pad, right? I mean, well, I wanted to pee. That was the first priority. I was trying to pee while I laid on my back. Was it? Was it? Was it? <laughs> wasn't get, that Gus that that first broke that? That was Shepard. That's why I wore a diaper. And uh, you know, you you have your shot at the 195 foot level to use the toilet for the last time, which I did. Right. right. And of course, then you're freaking out because you got to undo your suit, right, to use the urinal, <laughs> right. and then you got to put the suit back together by yourself. And you know, Lord help you. If you, you know, miss something, do something wrong, right? Because everybody else is like already, they're already gone. Well, yeah, I could ask for help, but there's certain things. I, you know, we had um, the first crew, we didn't have any females on it, so it would have been easy. But they, these guys uh, were all hard-driving dudes and typical type A personalities. And, you know, they wanted nothing to do with any of my issues, right? They wanted to be doing what they were doing. They wanted to be in their in their seat, strapped in, ready to go, focused on the mission. And dude, I gotta pee. Yeah, so Clay wasn't gonna I go around and say, "Hey, that. can you help me zip up and snap this?" <laughs> that wouldn't have gone over well. So I was pretty careful, and I made sure I did it right, you know. And I got in there and strapped in. But even when you use the bathroom and you lay down on your back for a couple more hours, you know, eventually you gotta pee. Yeah, it's gonna rest in your. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm sitting yeah. there, you know, like, um, thinking of the Platte River and the Missouri River and <laughs> Niagara Falls, hearing waterfalls in your head. <laughs> and I'm just about there, you know. And then Commander C.J. Sturkow, he hits the intercom button. Clay, how you doing down there? Was, God, dog. You know, he totally broke my concentration, <laughs> so I wasn't able to pee. And then, of course, it didn't matter. About ten minutes later, you know, the rockets are lighting, and then you don't have to pee anymore. Right, so, right. Because you're not. Everything's focused differently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, does did did time slow down for you during that? No, <laughs> it didn't. The first time it was fast. Everything it was, was fast, fast, right? You right. know, you're. I mean, it's, it's like performing when you're a musician. Everything yeah. goes so fast. Well, it's just, you know, and I was a basketball referee in college, right? So they talk about how the game slows down the more experience you get. Well, the first time I was in the shuttle, it was kind of a freak show for me because there's so much going on, and you're listening to all the chatter, sure, sure, and you're trying to make sure you don't mess up because my big 
biggest deal Everybody's was, counting on you. I don't want to screw yeah. something up. Yeah. And so that's where my focus was. But then when the, the lights go off and everything's happening, you're, you're just, there's not, you can't Micro think focused. about anything. <laughs> yeah. All I could think about was my cue card and what I had to do. As soon as we got to zero G, I was going to take my helmet off and my gloves off. And I was going to clip them together and put them in the, you know, put my helmets in the glove and put my glove in the bag and all the, that stuff. The training kicks in and you're just, uh-huh. So there's no time to really be in the moment on the first one, right? I didn't think so. Um, and I contrast that with my second flight three years later, and it was way more relaxed for me. Um, I was on yeah, the yeah. We'll put the gloves together. Yeah. We'll throw them in the thing. We'll put the helmet over here. I knew what I was doing. Uh, I knew what was important. I could watch the rookies that were seated on either side of me, and I could laugh. <laughs> They're worried about their gloves. Because I mean, you know, they probably have to pee. They probably have yeah. to pee. <laughs> it's funny. Just go in your bladder, buddy. <laughs> it's, it was it was totally different and and extremely enjoyable. And then when I got to space, you know. I was able to take over, take charge, and do the things I knew I was responsible for and help everybody else. You know, the first time it was like, holy crap, I'm in space. What do I do next? Yeah. You know, oh, I got to look at my cue card. Oh, it says do this. Right. And I didn't right. have many jobs. My first flight, I was a bag of potatoes that was going to get delivered to the space station and thrown through the hatch, and they were going to leave me alone. But that meant I didn't have a lot of stuff to do, but Commander Sturkow was really good and gave me easy little things to do so I could feel like sure. I was part of the well, deal. Well, you're relying on your peers, and right. on the second one, now I you're was, the peer, yes. and they're relying yes. on you. You're the old yes. dog now. You're and that the, was fun, man. I had more space flight experience than the whole crew added up together. So you were more <laughs> in the moment on the launch Yes. And the, on the second one. Yes. And you could really kind of try to perceive all the power that's down below yep. you. and yep. That must have, and, you know, it was so weird because I was so aware. The first thing I saw when we hit zero G was one of the dosimeters that was attached to one of the chairs in the shuttle to just measure the ambient uh, radiation. It just starts floating across the room. <laughs> so I, oh, I just reach up, I grab it, and I put it in my pocket, right? No big deal. If The first flight, I probably wouldn't even have what, seen what, it. What is that? Yeah, it's, uh, it was crazy. <laughs> There's something in my peripheral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I can respect that. I, it was a great, great time the second time. I really wanted to stay longer, uh, especially when we were docked to the station. I could have stayed a whole month or two. I felt like I was home. And I knew the place, and yeah. I wanted to stay and work in the place, but of course I didn't get that opportunity. But then, as I thought about it later, a month, a month and a half would have been all I needed to, to satisfy my curiosity again or my my appetite right. for space, right? Because then I realized by watching the other guys that within a month and a half I'd be doing the same stuff I was doing the last time, and it wouldn't be new anymore, it wouldn't be exciting anymore, it'd be work. And that's what motivated me to, okay, I get it. It's time to go home, and I understand. Um, so that was a big revelation for me. I don't know that I could could have gone back and done a five- to six-month increment. Yeah, because, yeah, right. I mean, the tasks are the same. You do this, you're eating the same food. You're doing the same thing over and over again. It would have been, been work. So the, the first one's pure stress. <laughs> you're worried about everything, right? Yeah. And although this is like your, I mean, it's, it, it had to have been your dream from, you know, 10 years old on. Yep. Or nine years, nine years old, old on. Yeah. Here you are. Longer, now you're living longer. your dream, but you're too stressed out to enjoy it, right? <laughs> so mission number two, your old dog, yeah. and you're in the moment almost <clears throat> the entire time until the 
it gets almost to mundane, right? To normalcy. Yeah, we were You're almost to. We were in that that mode where you know we'd done our spacewalks. We'd had a lot of success doing our spacewalks, and, and it was thirty eight like, hours, thirty eight and a half hours EVA uh, spacewalks. Yeah. yeah, and I'm that's, a, and that's I'm pretty a, awesome. A man. small time. I am number. super. Je- I'm an electrician. I work with my hands. I'm super <laughs> jealous. I would. Okay, next time put on oven mitts and do it. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I've been I've been working at uh, Space Center Houston for the last like two years. Uh-huh. We did like the Mars exhibit, and I was oh, I go. was trying to talk him into hanging us from the ceiling while we were working on it, <laughs> so it looked more realistic. He was like, "Then you'd have to wear gloves." I'm like. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to twist those wires together when you got gloves on. Right, right, right. Excellent. Sure. Well, the Galacticos Power Hour with our guest uh, Clayton Anderson. Uh, Mike just made a run to the uh, the fridge, and uh, we've got some backfish defying gravity. Uh, seems like an appropriate uh, selection. And uh, double IPA. Yeah, Miss, Mr. Anderson is drinking some Baltica. We thought we thought he might, you know, might, might bring back some memories of his. Uh, he's had so many trips to Russia that in the book he, he even admitted he can't. He couldn't even document how many it was. There was a, oh. he could not give it a number. Nope, can't remember. So I guess, I guess that's a, a good good segue. That wasn't where I was going to go, but I just uh, I went there. So how about Russia? What, uh, you know the trips to Russia and experiences there. Uh, mm-hmm. That was actually uh, you had some really uh, really colorf- colorful stories. Uh, you know, like I referenced earlier. You know, just the the whole process of the of the, of the spacesuit of the seat. For the Soyuz, which was going to be the, uh, you never had to utilize the Soyuz, correct? I mean, actually, did we did. Oh, okay, um, we had to move parking places. So, uh, late in our mission, uh, we had to get in the Soyuz, get in our suits, get in the Soyuz, and undock from a Earth-facing port and fly around to the back end of the station and dock in the back because another Soyuz was coming up and needed that docking port. Oh, wow! So, yeah, I mean. You know, it chaps some of my colleagues because when I sign a photo, I can sign Soyuz TMA-10. And they go, one guy said, you can't write that. You can't write that. And I go, what do you mean I can't write that? That you was a mission. Said, you, didn't, you didn't launch and land on a Soyuz. I said, no, but we moved, got in one and flew it around and moved the do- Oh, he was so mad. You you're, know, on, you're unattached. Yeah. In a Soyuz. Heck you're flying yeah. in a Soyuz. We abandoned the space station for about 20 did, minutes. Did, did y'all make a patch? <laughs> no. No, not yet. Yeah, today, uh, today, yet. today, everybody makes a patch for everything, right? They got the, the Europeans, yeah, and but, they all got their personal patch and all. Yeah, that. Yeah, but that's respectable. You were you were up in space. You detach from a space <laughs> yeah. station and then reattach on. The, yeah. That's patchworthy. Yeah, I it's, think. Uh, well, but we didn't get a patch. I think t- I think tomorrow he's gonna be calling his patch guy. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't have a patch guy. <laughs> Looking up. So my, uh, you need my, a patch uh, guy. Yeah, hey, uh, I'm gonna slide you my card later. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of patch guys yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a young. <laughs> Hungry, hungry guy right across so from me that wants to get the patch game. No, but uh, there's guys fencing themselves as patch. I'm, I'm a patch guy, dude. If, hey, if uh, you got assigned to a shuttle uh, mission, there were people you emailing you within 30 <laughs> minutes wanting to do your patch. It was crazy. My name is Guy Patch. Uh, hey, I can do patches on the side. <laughs> You know, he had a trench coat and he opened it up, said, "Check this out. <laughs> check this patch Just check out. one." <laughs> yeah, the patch making a patch is a an exercise in in itself. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and the 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 beer club I came up in the the Bay Area Mashinots. They do every year. We do a Lunar Rendezvous out at uh, the mm-hmm. Bay Area Park, and uh, I joined. It's actually, at, yeah, Clay Park, the Clay Bay Area Community Park. Center. Bay Area at Community Clay Center. Park, yeah. Yeah, makes it Don't want to send people the wrong way. Right, where are they going? <laughs> but uh, they make a patch for each each Lunar Rendezvous, yep. and, and it's always really like cool a t-shirt. play on. Yep. 
but with like beer bottles and. Well, it's always a really like you know because first of all, most, a lot of the astronauts have, actually, especially the older astronauts, they have a history in a space program that goes a back a long John time. John Jurgis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he goes back to the Apollo program. So they they always do uh, creative patches and T-shirts that always. Yep. You know, I remember the one year that we didn't get a shuttle, but uh, we got a we seat. We got the seat. Yeah, we got and, and on the logo it says we got seats. <laughs> No, it said it said F them. We got the seat. Right, right. Well, uh, that was, but it was. Yeah. Hey, uh, Gracie and Andy, if you're up, time to go to bed. F star star star. <laughs> but uh, that's yeah. in my book. F star star star. <laughs> so also in your book, uh, you, you reference the astronaut prayer, and I know I know you've been in, you know you've uh, been out of this program for a little while now. But has there been any? When was the last time you uh, had to recite the uh, the astronaut prayer? Uh, you know, I'll, you know, dear Lord, please don't let me f this up. I don't know that I ever actually recited it, uh, although it was always in my mind. I did, like I said before, I didn't want to be the guy that messed something up because if if you mess something up, it can be a really bad trickle down. So as far as you never going on another mission, right? Well, yeah, that's, well, that's get a bad rep. That's the ultimate trickle down, sure. But you know, first and foremost is you're in a dangerous place, so you don't want to be the guy that messes something up that causes somebody to get hurt. Or, Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Um, so that's that's the ultimate consequence. Then you get into the point where there are a lot of little things you do on a space flight, and yes, yeah, some of them matter more than others. But you didn't want to be that person that messed something up because if if the next person had to do something based on what you had a task you had performed and you didn't do it right or well, I'm not going to pull a Clayton. It made their job yeah. harder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> and I've been there. You know, yeah. I I don't I don't think I. I'm very pretty proud of the fact that I don't think I ever messed up anything right, you know, right. that was uh, of utter consequence. You know, on, on the station, I was by myself most of the time on the United States segment, so I was responsible for everything there, and uh, everything went well, and, you know, I don't think we messed anything up. Now, maybe somebody will correct me tomorrow with a Twitter feed or a Facebook post, but <laughs> I think for the most part, we did okay. Excellent. Right, right. Now, you mentioned in the book uh, that when you're here as a summer intern at JSC, mm -hmm. way back in the day, uh, and, and, you know, that that's mandatory reading. I mean, just the whole story <laughs> of you traveling down here. And, I mean, there's so many stories. But, uh, you know, there's one that you're about to head off to graduate school, so you're leaving this area, you're leaving JSC, and uh -huh. you, uh, you decided you – and at this point, you had not yet met an astronaut. And you could see yourself going back home, going back to – going to graduate school, and people asking you, did, have you, did you meet astronauts? And, of course, at that point, your answer would be no. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, uh, you kind of basically came up with a plan and to actually, you know, kind of a – kind of a almost uh, – you know, scope out and try to uh, you know, ambush. Stalker. Yeah, yeah, you're basically going to ambush uh, <laughs> Richard Truly and Joe Engel uh, from STS Two, and uh, which you know you turned out to be successful. Uh, you actually referred to it uh, that at, it was the greatest moment, you know, at, in your life at the time. Uh, I, I think it was Joe Engel was the one that spent more time mm -hmm. with you. Didn't didn't he fly SR seventy ones back in the day? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Really impressive guy. And uh, that that even cemented your dream of, of one day flying in space, you know, even deeper into your soul. Now, fast forward many years later, you know, and you're an astronaut and you're walking around JSC and there's, you know, interns and co-ops. Uh, you know, did, did, did you take that in consideration uh, when interacting with, uh, 
with people. I mean, that here you are, you know, now you're, you're it's like flip the tables. You're the one that they want to, you know, meet or spend, get, get, get even a couple minutes of your time with. Certainly, you know, if, if I knew who they were and I knew there were interns specifically back then, there were interns and then there were co ops. Today, they're pretty much, they're still interns and co ops, but they're all called the same thing. But if I knew who they were or they approached me, I always tried to be gracious and, and uh, helpful and spend some time with them. And, and I still do. As a matter of fact, I'm speaking to the uh, JSC co-ops and interns. I think it's next week. I'll be going over to Johnson to give them a briefing about life as an astronaut. And, and I really love it because those kids, you know, have starry eyes and, and they want to do great things. And and I, but I'm honest and open with them, boy. I tell them the good and I tell them the bad, and and uh, they seem to appreciate that. You know, it's not all candy and and uh, soda pop when you right. want to be an astronaut and when you become an astronaut. So um, I figure honesty is the best policy. Speaking of the good and bad, right? Uh, being an electrician, there's 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 circumstances where we're into you know, a fatal territory. Oh yeah. You know, like, like you guys, you guys are in it 24 seven when you're up there, right? Because mm -hmm. just like you're aquatic, it's, it's the same thing. You're, you're deprived from oxygen as right. our, our natural resource. Now on the space is, is that like in the back of your mind or is it in the you? I know you're super safety conscious, mm -hmm. right? That is everybody's primary goal is everybody that on edge when when you're up there i mean is it i don't i don't know i can't speak for everybody else but as the emergency operations center director two years prior to becoming an astronaut you know right. i was in an environment where we had to worry about stuff like that hurricanes bombs terrorists fires medical emergencies all that stuff um, but when i became an astronaut um I worked very hard to, to do the right thing when i was in space i didn't have that fear factor in the front of my brain or even in the back of my brain um it was there but it was suppressed just because i was always focused on doing the job to the best of my ability i really don't know how i would react if we'd had a serious emergency you know how hard my pucker factor would have would have jumped to you know 10 to the minor or 10 to the 23rd power or something who knows but we had early in my first week in space we had a situation where all six of the russian command and control computers went down they just died, right? Wow. And so rather than think, oh, my God, I thought, oh, crap, I'm going to have to go home already. I just got here. Man, I trained for three and a half years, <laughs> and you're going to take me home after a week? That's crap. <laughs> but fortunately, the Russians, Fyodor Yurchikin and Oleg Kotov, they were engineers, and they were electricians, and they went behind the panel. They cut the, the cord to the box that was fried. Rewired and it. Rewired it, rewired it, and rewired it, man. Up it. came the computers, and I was good to go. So, you know, that was a great example. And then shortly thereafter, we had a fire alarm go off, which typically happens in space because somebody opens a panel and dust gets dust in front of dust. the detector, and that's what it thinks is yep. smoke, right? So we had one of those scenarios, and one of my colleagues went and accidentally pulled, well, accidentally, purposely pulled a Russian fire extinguisher off of its holder, which meant, uh-oh. Oh, that sent a further alarm. Well, That's a, no, not a further alarm, but it started the clock ticking on that extinguisher for its lifetime, right? Oh, wow. Once you pull it out, it's triggered, and, and now it only has like a third, I don't even remember what it is, a 30-day, a three-month, whatever it is, lifetime, right? Right. So pulling that off the wall was premature, and it, you know, caused 
a small he, issue, not a big issue. He was but, trying to be safe. He was trying to be prepared. Yeah. He panicked I, maybe I, a little. Who knows? But that was a situation where we kind of jumped the gun a little bit and didn't necessarily follow our procedure. We kind of let um, our gut take over. And sometimes you can't do that, right? Sometimes your you have to force yourself to stay, in the, yeah. to stay within the envelope of what you're supposed you'll to be doing. Yep. But it's hard to do, right? When you when something happens and it's unexpected, you're, you, whatever it is takes over, and sometimes you do what you're supposed to and sometimes you don't. Right. Excellent. Do we have time to do the Galacticos Power Hour Challenge? Okay, Mike's going to disconnect. I'm, I'm going to do play-by-play. Play. Sometimes in the past we do this challenge, and then we forget that it's, oh my it's goodness. radio. But although this is actually, we're, we're on Facebook Live, too, so this is streaming video. Um, we also have learned from our mistakes to make sure. Uh, okay, got to flip that around. Yeah. We also have learned to uh, work work with the cameras and not against them. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm willing to give you a uh, Okay. Actually, so. you don't need that. This is the Galactic That's right. Coast. All right. So this is the Galactic Coast Challenge. So you, the goal is to to make a goal. Um, you, there's six different methods Three to chances. do it. Three chances. Six methods. Pick your poison. All right. So the we tell you the rules. The methods are now one of these. Yeah, hey, 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 Mike. Yeah, just is. heads up. One of these methods will require you to retrieve a paddle from the office. But uh, Absolutely. so the methods are pints and paddles. Beer pong bounce from mouth to cup behind the back hacky stack style or free throw. Now the uh, and I can just you know describe those if you want to further. Kind of self-descriptive. Except uh, for the pints and paddles, that might be a little confusing. You know, I'll try beer pong bounce. That's that's actually man. See, <laughs> you know, pretty, you, you talk about how you didn't beer go to MIT bounce. and all, but you you actually you know you're cutting yourself short. Sometimes. My grades were too good for MIT. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Well, I graduated in the top half of the bottom quarter of my graduating class, yeah. so I understand. <laughs> Although, since later, I was honored by CCI, Steve. All right. I don't know why I put that in there. Okay, in this challenge, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to stand just with your right shoulder to the side of that camera. Okay. Bounce the ping pong mm -hmm. on the table over your book, The Ordinary Astronaut. From Boyhood Dreams to Astronaut. Into. The cup. The cup. That is correct, sir. On Amazon you can now, by any means, awesome until the ping pong hits the floor, it's legal. If it bounces 14 times and makes it in the cup, you're good. Okay. You have three tries. You have three ping pongs. Balls. Balls. <laughs> ping pong balls <clears throat> in your hand. Okay. So I go right. off. I'm going off. The yeah, challenge you, can go, yeah you. You, can, you can put down the headphones. Okay. The table is your edge. Ready for me to try? We are ready. We are ready. All right. Oh! oh. That was a big O. Oh. oh! All right, so I'm going to try a new strategy. Oh! oh. Okay, one more. One more. One more. One more. Oh! Oh, we are sorry. Dang. Oh! oh. oh. Number six. That's okay. That's okay. No worries. Oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to feed it to you. Oh, we are sorry, Clayton. You did not win a spot in our quarterfinals. Although we... We, 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 we don't even know where they're held. Yeah. <laughs> Although we are looking for a referee. <laughs> we are looking for a referee. <laughs> you can't afford me. That's probably true. That's uh, As you look around, you already know the answer to that question. 
But hey, no, seriously, really appreciate having you on the show. Thanks Enjoyed for having that. me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. It. Thank you, Clayton. It was a lot of fun, sir. So we're talking about A's for Astronaut, Blasting Through the Alphabet, available in fine bookstores and on Amazon or anywhere else. We're not picking favorites. And uh, The Ordinary Spaceman, From Boyhood Dreams to Astronaut, and there is nothing ordinary about this spaceman. Clayton Anderson, Woo. ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Anderson. Thanks, guys. Man, really honored to have you on the show. My pleasure.